Hey, well, welcome to Open Life Church Online. Excited that you can join us today. And we're continuing in this series, Wake Up Call, that really began on Easter. Um, uh, but we did an official first last week. Jaden did an incredible job. I have a question for you. Have you ever experienced a wake-up call? Now, I'm going to take a different angle this week. Listen to this definition of wake-up call. A person or thing that causes people to become fully alert to an unsatisfactory situation and to take action to remedy it. A little bit different kind of a wake-up call, right? We've been jumping off this verse to the church of Ephesus. Ephesians 5.14 says, the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. It's an echo of a verse back in Isaiah that says, those who die in the Lord will live, their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy, for your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. Awake, O sleeper, Christ will give you light. Rise up and sing for joy. What great challenges to jump into right now in this time and season. When you think of wake-up calls, obviously you you could be thinking, as Jaden talked last week, as a as a phone call and it, it wakes you up. But as well, it's that moment, like in that definition, that can be something that just awakens you to your reality. Same rea- same challenge, right? We've been awakened for a purpose, as we talked about last week, and Jesus begins that redeeming process by maybe our crashing to get a wake up call. Um, that moment that you realize, man, I was living, but I wasn't alive. And it just all comes to light. It all makes sense. I better get my life in order type of a moment. That's what we're diving into today. I know that some would call this rock bottom. It's that same thing. And uh, when I was in high school, I had a a friend and a group of friends that were Christians, and I wasn't a practicing Christian at the time. They would invite me to church. I would go on Christmas and Easter, so then they tried to get me to come to youth group and all those things, and honestly, I was a little cynical and sarcastic whenever I was invited, and uh, yet there was one persistent friend that kept inviting me, and and one day Bobby finally said to me when she invited me to youth group and and I gave some sort of sarcastic response. She looked at me in the eyes as if the Lord was speaking through her and said, Thad, one day you're going to hit rock bottom. And when you do, show up to Shoreline Community Church and you will be loved. She was prophesying and probably didn't even know it as I've thanked her many times since I've become a follower of Jesus. But that day, that phrase was planted in my spirit. And it was four years later that I was facing my rock bottom. She was right. I was going downhill and it was not a good direction. And God spoke through her. Four years later, I wake up in the morning and I hear after hitting rock bottom, go to Shoreline Community Church and you'll be loved. And I took action. I took action and I drove all the way to Shoreline Community Church from South Seattle where I was at to North Seattle, walked into church and guess what? The message that day hurt. It was brutal, but it was love. 
The people there were love extended. And all of a sudden, I was able to realign my life beyond imagination. And I experienced true life and peace of mind for the first time. I sat there for six months, and then I gave my life to Jesus as I just aligned my life in a way that only God could as I submitted to his way of love. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had to get a realignment. Uh, maybe you own a bike. Maybe you own a car. But you know when things need to be realigned. Take a bike, right? And you're, you're biking along and all of a sudden you hear that squeak, 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 squeak as your wheel is scraping against the brake or the, the rim or the frame. It's always bad, right? I hope you hear it when you hear the squeak and you don't realize it when you try to go no hands and all of a sudden wah, crash, right? Um, either way, you are probably going to have to get it realigned before you hit that wake-up call of the curb, hopefully, or the ditch. Uh, you're going to get a new bike or you're going to go repair it, right? Same with a car. I don't know. Um, uh, we found this on the internet. Uh, signs of misalignment. Listen to this. Uh, in a car, you would have uneven or rapid tire wear. Been there, done that. Uh, steering wheel being crooked when you're driving straight. That's a sign of misalignment. How about noisy steering? Squeak, 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 right? Or it's hitting the rim as you're steering. Pulling to the right or left. Uh, squealing tires. So interesting how directly <laughs> this applies to the faith. Too well, actually, in our current context of the world. If you ignore these signs, uh, those five signs of misalignment, especially misalignment in your faith, you're going to crash. And you're going to become a danger to even others around you. I remember taking my car in uh, to because it was just acting weird. The steering was odd. And it was the inside of my tires, only on the front. And I tried to talk them into selling me one tire. They said, no. I tried to talk them into selling me two tires. They said, you really need all four. I was like, well, then I'll just leave. And they're like, well, we can't let you. You're a danger to other drivers around you. I had waited too long and my tires were about to pop. So, I mean, just the reality of the danger of misalignment. Now, let's look back at these five things through the lens of faith because it's kind of crazy. Uneven or rapid tire wear. Man, all church and not pers no personal devotional life. That's uneven. If, if all I do is church, but I have no personal relationship with Jesus in between Sundays, how about we're all reading, but no prayer? Uneven, right? What about the steering's crooked or it's not driving straight? Maybe you found yourself spiritually going a direction you, you didn't intend wake-up call, right? How about noisy steering? You're trying, to, you're trying to turn the right direction, but everyone is just screaming and throwing a fit as you try to lead that way. That's a sign of misalignment, right? What about pulling to the right or the left? Oh my goodness, do I even have to hit on that one? We are in a world that is polarized, right? And it's even impacting the church. Squealing tires. Again, 
when you go the correct direction and you know it's what God is asking you to do, but all you're getting is complaining and rejecting and you're feeling that even coming out of your spirit. It's a sign you need to realign towards Jesus' heart and love. So what is it called when you get your car realigned? They correct your alignment. They correct your alignment. And I want to jump into another passage that impacts the church of Ephesus, but it directly applies to us. In the book of Revelation, um, it's, it's a, there's a series of revelations and experiences with the angel of the Lord. And, and John's recording these experiences and, and, and he writes to the different churches what the angel of the Lord is saying. And there's an address to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2. And I'm going to read verses 2 through 5. It says this, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. What a hit, right? Our big idea today is God continually calls us back to love. He continually calls us back to love. And maybe you're familiar with some older translations of that text that say, you've forsaken your first love. God addressing these, this church that's doing everything right in what it's doing, but it's working so hard and it's missing that love component. I don't know if you remember your first love. First love, when you just even hear that phrase, kind of packs some memories for us. Uh, uh, maybe you've never actually been in love with someone, so you don't have those type of memories, but uh, maybe you've had a first pet uh, and you like loved that pet beyond imagination. It's not the same, <laughs> clear, but uh, you still feel that heart, like it was a piece of you, you know, that was invested. It was a beautiful moment. Parents are like, yeah, first love lasted about a week and then I was walking the dog every day, but I relate. COVID dog. Anyway, um, no, we still love our dog, everybody in the family. But your first love, let's go back to like, maybe you've had that moment, that glow that you get because you're all giddy and in love. Or maybe you could just remember like you're on cloud nine, no obstacles. You're just all googly at each other all the time. And uh, you could talk for hour on hour. You lose track of time. In fact, you would make weird priority adjustments just to have more time together. And the more time you spend together, the more depth you experience in your relationship. In fact, you adjusted in like really important things to you before so that you'd just be with each other. I don't know if you can recall those, those moments. I mean, you're literally blind in love. Like you can't see any of the obstacles in life around you. And, and if you're fortunate enough 
to, to be in love still and to be in that relationship still. You now realize those things that were so cute about each other annoy you to death right now. You know what I'm saying? That's just a reality that happens. And I have to ask this of those of you watching online, man, what is one of the weirdest things you did in that season of first love? Odd things. I'll go first. Just shoot them in the chat so that we all can have a good laugh today. But uh, I biked six miles each direction just so I could have some time with that first love. And, and uh, we, I'll, I'll never forget how awkward it was that we, we tried to kiss while on our bike still for accountability. And it was just awful and sloppy and uh, yeah, total train wreck. And, uh, but more importantly, right now, uh, this last week, I got to spend time with my wife, Dana, in Cabo, and uh, we were enjoying the sunrise, went out on the 12th, and, and were able to spend the morning together on our 24th anniversary. Uh, but some things never change, right? We were taking pictures, had the camera set up on a tripod, thought it was all cute. You can you can see this image here. You know, we were kissing. And then then when I got back to the room and was kind of looking at the images, I'm like, you know, we're we're kind of far apart. We should have had the sun like in between us, but it's off to the side. And the picture looked like we were like not wanting to touch, but just kiss. And I guess some things never change. Awkward kisses are just my story, right? <laughs> it was so funny. But yet, those first love moments, we always, we always remember. Okay, now, jumping back into scripture before I digress, which I already have. This text to the church of Ephesus is a corrective text, right? And it applies to the church today. We must go back to our first love because it's more about our love giving birth to what we do than being good at doing church or doing the faith, right? God didn't create human doings. He created human beings. He wants us to be, and that our doing flows out of our being. It's never been about what you do for Jesus. So don't mistaken that for your purpose or your identity. Uh, we do out of who we are. Man, you're really going to discover that if you jump into, and I challenge you, jump into the discipleship course we're starting at the beginning of May. We're going to bump it a couple weeks to give more people an opportunity to lean in to growing their relationship with Jesus. And I challenge you, we are going to discover how to be before we do. Working hard is not the sin, though, for the church of Ephesus, right? Uh, patient endurance was not the sin. Doing right things out of desire to do was where they were off. And Jesus wanted to correct his church to do out of being full, to do out of the overflow versus the obligation. God desires overflow out of operation, if you would, right? And, and here we were in a world, right, with the church machine operating like a well-oiled machine, faithfully churning out 
disciples and people being saved and drawing in the shoppers who wanted to craft the church to to the things that they desire and their comfort. Now, don't get me wrong. I love going to church that relates to me and says the things I want to hear and uh, that my family loves to hear. But I would take a genuine move of God over a well-oiled machine any day. Give me the mess of people that are from all different walks of life, realigning their lives to the love of Jesus any day over a group of people that are trying to um, conform to 100% agreement. That's not unity. God challenges us to unity, not conformity. And we could be united around Christ as our first love and not agree about many things, vaccines, masks, immigration. I mean, again, going back to alignment, don't pull to the right or the left where things are out of alignment. Well, COVID hit and this well-oiled machine just kind of came to a halt for the first time in in generations. And, uh, And that allowed us this moment a wake-up call where God allowed us to search our hearts. Hopefully you paused and you took advantage of this opportunity to see what God was revealing. Uh, again, he didn't cause, he doesn't cause death or sin or pandemics, but he is the God who turns every moment to good and takes an opportunity out of even the bad. So our love became evident, right? In this time, our depth of faith became clear. And I believe God pointed clearly to our hearts as the church today, just as he, like, and I'm saying the big C church, like all Christ follower church goers in a corrective manner. And he's saying these same phrases again, how far have you fallen? You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Turn back to me. Do what you did at first, not out of obligation, but overflow, right? Listen to 1 Corinthians 13. I think this applies. Verse one, he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but don't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Kind of sounds like noisy steering. Kind of sounds like screeching tires to me. Time for an alignment, time for a wake-up call. So how do we follow the call back to love that Jesus is making clear to us here? Thought one, get back to loving Jesus. Philippians 1.9 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding and how we flip those around. Even 1 Corinthians 13 addressed it. We get those mixed up. We think 
We think that our, our minds need to be completely knowledgeable and we need to completely understand the faith before we begin to share our relationship with Jesus or speak out or celebrate what's happening in me. But that was never the intent or the model of Jesus, right? He wants us to overflow with that giddy first love enthusiasm about our faith at all times. When people first experienced Jesus in the Gospels, we saw Jesus have to actually discourage them from being enamored by what healing just took place. Multiple times in scripture, he had to tell people, don't tell anyone, because it wasn't time for him to be revealed as the savior of the world yet until he died on the cross and rose from the grave. And then it would come to light that he was the savior. It's natural to overflow with love when you've found the love of Jesus, when you kindle that love. That time of, of not sharing uh, when Jesus rose from the grave was, was over. We can share now. We should share. We should be exuberant about our faith. So don't wait for complete knowledge or complete understanding. Begin to overflow about your journey, your relationship with Jesus more and more. I don't know if you've ever gotten a perfect gift before. Now, I know I love to watch different YouTubes and, uh, you know, the, the world of algorithms, they know it, so they feed them to me now. I can't get enough of those uh, soldiers returning <laughs> and people see that and they just break down crying out of their excitement to see their loved one. I can't get enough of uh, kids getting the perfect gift and, and they're all excited and then they don't know why they start to cry, right? They're so moved by a gift. And then can you beat those ones where somebody's never seen color before and the family's gathered around with balloons and things of color all around and they give a pair of color correction glasses to somebody who's colorblind and all of a sudden they see color for the first time and watching these big old beefy men melt in tears because they see color. That is what Jesus wants us to return to in love for him. Just that love, that overflow, that kind of experience with God is what he's desiring for us. And honestly, COVID brought open life back to this reality. This was our wake-up call when we saw and experienced the pushback of doing church uh, and how that impacted our perspective and opportunities because we were able to continue loving Jesus, but we had this drawback or pushback to keep doing what we were doing instead of leaning into the love of Jesus, we wanted to do, do, do. That's, that's our wake-up call and our course correction and why we're even jumping into this discipleship course together in May and June. It's because we know, no, we need to kindle our love for Jesus because the gathering's important, but that's not all, right? We serve the God who turns all things for good, and we believe he spoke clearly to us the church will be better after COVID than before because we've paused, we've slowed down, we've learned lessons from God. And although we, we, the machine stopped, the love of Jesus never has. 
and it should be more alive in us today than ever before. So let's grab a hold of it. Let's rekindle it and let's move ahead. Second thought, get back to loving each other. Man, 1 John 4, 19 makes it clear. We love each other because he loved us first. Like he was, he was first and he loved us first and that then results in us loving others. The language God uses in this corrective approach to the church of Ephesus, by many scholars, they believe that that God was challenging the church of Ephesus to get back to witnessing to one another, to the, the language with the lampstand and, you know, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its places is words of like, share the light, don't cover it with a bowl from the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. And so they believe that the church of Ephesus was now internal, defending themselves from others, but they weren't reaching out anymore. And this challenge of loving each other by by sharing the gospel was at the core of this emphasis of returning to first love. It's time to share the love of Jesus with each other. It's time to prioritize that time with each other and helping each other grow and kindle that love together. And like that, that group, again, we grow around tables. We're inspired in rows but we grow around tables where we can love each other and all of our differences and watch ourselves through the mess grow in a relationship with Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. God never intended us to hide away to hide the light of the gospel, the hope we have, the life to the full we have, so that we could just grow in our understanding and knowledge. He wants us to get out there and overflow with love, serving people, loving people unconditionally. We need to create ways to share Jesus' love. We need to think outside the box to share the love of Jesus um, in ways that have never been done before, to, to lift up the broken, to come alongside those who are struggling and, and carry their burdens with them, consumed with love for others over ourselves, is what God wants us to, to understand is an act of maturity. It should be impossible to go through life alone with a church in the community, honestly. We must prioritize our relationships with one another, grow alongside each other, and not alone in a void. Okay, here's your action thought today. Let's realign ourselves to the way of love. Let's realign ourselves. Let's get back to our first love with Jesus and each other. And what it's going to take is us making time. It's that readjustment of our priorities. It's that realignment. It's that fixed where we're like, man, it's a godly love that sets no limits on uh, making time to grow together and overflow in our relationship with Jesus. I dare you to sign up for the discipleship course because what it's gonna do is kindle that love. What it's gonna do is it's gonna grow us together as a, a group and within your growth group that does the discipleship work together, you're gonna grow deeper in relationship than you ever had in the church. And, uh, and I think we need to take time, make time to grow together so that that love 
can overflow and resurface and impact the community like never before. Emotionally healthy, more mature followers of Jesus because we've rekindled the love. Well, I wanna pray for you today. Uh, we're gonna fundamentally impact the way we walk ahead in the future by doing things correctively. We came into the mechanic of the word of God and we're being realigned to Jesus' love. And I hope that you feel that today. I hope that you're excited about love for Jesus. But if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, right now I'm gonna pray for you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then I'm gonna pray for all of us that we would kindle that love like it's the first time we've ever experienced it and experience a new zeal in our relationship with God. So Lord, I thank you that you've brought us here to the service online today. And I pray that God, you would awaken in us your love for us so that we could love others in the same way. Today, if somebody is watching this message online and they've never made a decision to follow you as their Lord and Savior, that's the moment that the first love comes to light. If you've yet to make that decision, just pray this prayer. Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. I want this first love experience, this, this love that overflows. And I just want to follow you and experience life to the full in peace of mind like I've never done before. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for those who prayed that. And I thank you for everybody else who's watching and growing in their relationship with Jesus right now and being reminded correctively that our alignment needs to be fixed, <laughs> that we need to be all about the love of Jesus. And we need to be all about loving each other. And God, I pray that you would discipline us to make time to follow you, to grow our relationship with you, and to overflow with that love to those around us, our family, our coworkers, our community, our neighbors. God, we thank you for what you're challenging in our spirits today. We love you, and we can't wait to wake up and walk in fresh life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed this wake-up call, this challenge, this corrective insight from the Word of God. We have one more talk in this series next week. You're going to be blessed. Don't miss it. We'll see you then.